In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, and the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had dreams, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. So he doesn't know the dream. He forgot. You know how many of you had dreams, you wake up and go, that was a horrible dream, but you can't remember what it is. Oh, that was, oh, that was such a fantastic dream. I feel so good. But you know, you all oh, your emotion in the morning sometimes being affected by your dreams the night before, right? So this king woke up. He couldn't remember his dream, but he was troubled. And the king said to all these uh, enchanters, sorcerers, and magicians, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king, Well, tell us the dream. You know, O king, live forever. Tell us your dream, and we will show you the interpretation. Now the king become very unreasonable. That's what you could do when you were king of a big empire in the old days, you know. And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me, in other words, tell me my dreams, okay? Make known to me my dreams and interpret it on top of that. You shall be torn from limb to limb. Wow, what a reward, eh? And your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream to the interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. And they all went, come on, man, you are so unreasonable. They answered a second time, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time. You want to stall, you're stalling me. Because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. So in other words, the king is saying, you know, if you're really that good, tell me your dreams, tell me my dreams then I know that you're good. I know that you're authentic. I know that you're not trying to fool around. You know how people interpret dreams, prophesy, whatever? There's really no accountability. If they give it wrong, it's like life goes on. Everybody could be a prophet. But if there's accountability, if something, you know, in the Old Testament, I always say, you know, in Deuteronomy and Ezekiel, you know, especially in Deuteronomy, God says, test those prophets. They don't tell you the truth. You can actually stone them. There are consequences of lying or pretend to be prophets. These days, everybody wants to be prophet because there's no consequences. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a grace preacher. I'm full of grace. But their truth needs to be spoken, right? Amen? So the, <laughs> the Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanters of Chaldeans. In other words, you're being difficult, man. You're impossible. The, king, the, the thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one, and they're right, can show it to the king except the gods. You know, they believe in the gods. Whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was very, very angry, very furious, and commanded all the wise men of Babylon to be destroyed. Wow, what a temper. Now watch this. This is an impossible situation. I'm going to read later on. That even Daniel and his four friends who had been selected to be part of this company of wise people, magician enchanters, they were being sentenced to death. Nothing to do with them. It was in an impossible situation. And you're going to learn this. Every time when you find yourself confronting 
an impossible situation. Some of you may be confronting an impossible situation. You can do one of three things. One, you can run. You know, the king is coming, whoa, run. In other words, when you confront an impossible situation, for most people who are not confrontational or don't want to face difficulties, they will run and hide. Hopefully, like an ostrich, I stick the head in the sand, hopefully the thing will go away and you can come back to, to resume your normal life. Well, that won't help. Or you can do nothing. What that means is that somebody's going to, you, you will be defeated by your situation. Or you can do one of the third, the third thing, which I believe every believer must do. Because when you do the third thing, we'll learn together what the third thing is. If you do the third thing, God will cause the impossible situation to be, number one, a promotion to you. And number two is that his name will be, his glory will be manifested. And number three is that his influence will be increased through you. Say it again. If you do what we're going to show you today, rather than running away or do nothing when you're facing the impossible situation, an impossible boss, an impossible spouse. Some of you say, oh, my spouse is impossible. And it's possible children. You know, your children is not serving God. You don't know how you, when you're, just impossible. You can do one or three things. You can run. You can deny. Run being just, just living in denial. Like, you know, I just don't want to know about it. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I just run away from it. Or that you do nothing. You're neutral. You're like, I don't care what the outcome is, you know, woe is me, whatever. Just, just be like everybody. Allow situation to overtake them. Or the third one, if you follow what we teach today, you're going to find out, number one, God is going to promote you. Number two, he's going to manifest his glory through the situation. And number three, he's going to increase his influence through you. His influence, not your influence, his influence through you. Okay, let's see what, what he's doing. Verse 13. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. Let me, let me, um, let me just, it's, it's really not part of this conversation here, but, you know, I just want to share with you my Bible study notes, okay? It is so wise that whenever you meet somebody angry, especially when your boss is angry or somebody that is angry at you, somebody stronger or weaker, you know, somebody is angry at you, the best thing to do is to reply with prudence and discretion. Don't reply with the same emotion. Are you here this morning? Let me give you a very practical example. Not even have to be a boss. Somebody is very rude in the driving. And they're rude and they cut you off and they cuss you. Well, that's the double whammy right there. Right? Not the, you know, sometimes they cut you off like they know they're on the wrong. And so, you know, you're like angry. You know, what's wrong with you? You know, like I didn't go to driving school, blah, blah, blah. Right? They cut you off and they cuss you. You're like, what? So the other day my wife was driving down the street. And she saw, she was driving, you know, just peacefully, you know, in a merry way. And then, and then all of a sudden, there's one guy in front of, there's two cars driving. And then all of a sudden, one guy cut in front of the other guy. And then she saw the other guy just, just speed up and went to another lane and cut him. 
and then they start having this road rage going on all the way, you know, and they were like raising, you know, screeching out, raising and just cussing each other and having flipping the birds and just all kinds of stuff. But here my wife, you're sitting, oh my goodness, I'm losing, losing these dramas here, right? And then finally come to a stop, you know, straight lights. Nobody can go, right? <laughs> and they got out the car. They got off the car. I think this one guy got a baseball bat. My wife's like, oh no, what's going on, you know? Do you realize that in our day and age, everybody is so in a hurry and we can be set off so easily? Christian, listen to me. Be wise. There are people that got killed with such silly reason. Just, just because they couldn't control their emotion. Just put a lid on your emotion. Put that anger and even fear. When, when, when there are thump, when things coming to attack you, you be calm. Don't let your emotion to control you. Don't ever, ever allow your emotion to control you. I mean, Daniel could be like scared to this. Oh my goodness, please, oh, please, 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 please. But the Word of God says Daniel has such a wisdom. He answers threats and attacks not with fear or arrogance or emotion. You know, Proverbs chapter 15 uh, I don't think the guys up there had no, uh, ha- has the scripture, but 15, for your reference, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Do you know how to disarm angry people? You be nice to them. Is anybody in the house? So if you're in an argument, the best way I know is hard. My children will witness to you. They'll tell you this. Oh, I don't know my children. You know, they're a witness. I can't lie. Sometimes when you argue with your spouse, you know, your emotions just go up. And the Holy Spirit is saying, just, 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 just tone it down. And you just, I get that. It needs a lot of grace, especially when you're mad, when you press on, you know, people, some people they just don't know how to press your button, right? And you just, you, you can disarm the situation. If your boss is super mad at you, even if it's your fault. I remember I used to have an employee. <laughs> Not in church, but when I was working in the secular world. You feel more powerful when you work in the secular world because you can actually, you know, fire people with reason, not worry about love thing, right? But as a pastor, you can't do that, you know. <laughs> when people make mistakes, you just have to walk in love. Oh, go, God. Help me, you know. I do remind him once about, you know, how much it costs, you know. <laughs> but anyways, you know, I remember this guy. He is an, one of the most amazing sales guy that I've ever worked for. I've worked work, uh, that that worked for me, and uh, he just really messed it up big time, and it was going to cost the company literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you know, so I, I'm on on hook for that. I don't have to pay for it, but you know, like it's on me, right? Because I'm, I, you know, so so he he. Ca- I was so mad. I tell you, it was such an obvious mistake, and the worst thing is that he didn't listen to instruction when we gave instruction. You know, employees like that, right? Especially guys and employees, they just so give no, didn't listen, and you know, I was so mad. I was gonna fire him. He was so good. He, I don't know whether he knew or he didn't know. He saw me and said, hey, boss, how, you, how was your day today? How do you, he just disarmed me. I was like, 
And then he commented on my suit. He knew that I love to look good, right? He's like, wow, this is great. It look, look good. You look good. You're the, you're the best boss. You know you're the best boss. He got me. We had to, instead of me firing him, I had to end up sitting down with him trying to figure out how we can get out of it, you know? <laughs> See? It's amazing. He had the wisdom. I, he wasn't even a Christian. I know he wasn't. You know, he shared with me his lifestyle, but glory to God. So a soft answer to him, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Have you ever talked to a boss that is mad? You know, Proverbs 16, 14, and 15, a king's wrath and the messenger of death, a wise man, will appease it. Are you wise? See, only wise people can disarm angry people. So that's what happened here. Daniel disarmed this man that was assigned to kill him and his friends. Well, let's move on. So he declared to Ariok, verse 15, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Ariok made the manner known to Daniel. He didn't even know. He was even in the party of all these magicians, right? And so Daniel requested to the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation of the king, uh, to the king. Okay, so it's always good to ask, right? Ask for favor. So he got the favor. If you don't ask, you don't get it. Are you here this morning? So it's always good to ask. Now, verse 17. Daniel went to his house on his own? No. He went to his house. He made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah his companions, and told them to seek mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so Daniel and his companion might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon, of Babylon. Now watch this. What Daniel did is what we should do. First, before Christ has ever shown up, make sure you get a company of believers of like faith and like heart. Because the day will surely come, you will need a companion. Not somebody that will discourage you or your faith. Not somebody who will be opposing to what you believe. But somebody that will believe together with you for miracles. Are you here this morning? So go ahead, come on, praise the Lord. It's true. Right? So that's why small group is very important. You know, in this church, we don't assign people to small groups. In the old days, that's what they do, you know. Okay, you're living in this region, you should go to the small group there because we say so. That's so, that's so, that's so dictatorial, you know. That's no good, right? So in this church, I encourage people, check out all the small group and find the one that you like. Or if you don't have the time, just go meet with people in the church and just, you know, check out small groups until you find somebody that you can have chemistry with. You know, what that means is you can really, just, you, know, have, you know, have conversation, talk about life and do life together, have the same faith, have the same, have the same desire to serve God, you know, and they, they, they would just walk with you. You need people to walk with you because there will be times, many, many, many times you need to pick up the phone, you know, I need help. Please, can I come and see you? I got somebody in this church does that to me. And, and uh, so every time, and, and I told somebody else, he's one of the smartest guys on earth because he always would ask questions, always ask help. Smart people always ask help. I was, learn, I was reading this book that uh, somebody gave me uh, recently and, and it's talked about um, how we could leverage through submission. 
leverage other people's skills. God has raised all the different people with different skills. And sometimes we Christians are too proud to submit. We thought it's such a bad word. And so we don't know that God has planted them in our lives so that they can pour over our lives without us having to go through the process of going through the trouble and hard time to get to that wisdom. They are put in around us. All we need to do is just submit to them and say, can you help me? But many Christians are too proud to ask. Oh, I can do it on my own. Well, you can, but you go a lot faster if you're willing to submit. So here they are for these four friends, these three guys, the four guys, you know. As soon as they got into trouble, boom, they went and prayed together. You know, that's what I want to encourage you to do. Just don't have any friends, like I said. Have friends that have the same faith and desire. And go and seek those friends to say, I need you to pray, man. You know what? There is a power in agreement. Jesus himself said, if two or three should agree on earth of anything that they should ask, it will be given them. I'm quoting King James, right? So anything you ask, anything, anything. So if you find some friends that would agree with you, some people, they'll, they'll just pray with you, but they don't agree. They'll, in their heart, they go, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Good luck, you know. They don't really believe. You want those people that you know that they will believe with you. They'll they go, oh yeah, I believe the same thing. I believe in miracles, you know. You see, where to find those friends? Be in relationship. Then you know where the faith level is. If the faith level needs help, help them. If they don't want to help, just get another person. Be friends. Don't, don't be ugly. Don't be rude. So quiet. Yeah? But you pick your friends, right? Friends that have great faith. Friends that wants to live for God. Friends that want to live in righteousness, in holiness. Friends that want to serve God. Get those friends. Because when you want to give up, they will surely pick you up. And when you run into trouble, oh, my friends, I tell you, they will be an encourager to you to pray and believe in God together with you because corporate believing is more powerful than one individual believing by themselves. Are you here this morning? So you want to pick a few people to believe in God with you. God never had meant for us to fight this alone, ever. So don't do it. Anyways, verse 19. What time is it? All right. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And for the next few verses, it's really one of the most amazing worship chorus that you can find. I love it. Sometimes I, you, I read and I go, blessed be the name of God. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I don't know if you have the experience. Sometimes I come to the Lord and say, I, got, I don't know what to say. <laughs> what do I say? Lord, I need this, that, the other thing. Okay, done. What do I, what do? I, what do, I do? Then I speak in tongues. But sometimes I want to praise God. And you know how you can praise God? Go into scriptures like that. Just read it and then just pray. Dad, God, this is me. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. To whom belong wisdom and might. What a wonderful praise statement. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and set up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He does. To us and to everybody, he knows what it is, what is in the darkness, and the light dwells within him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. Wow, what an amazing praise statement. For you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we ask you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. So, you know, these are the things that we can use and learn to praise God. So now, he's got the goods. Therefore, Daniel went to... 
Ariok, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Ariok brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. Right? Ariok said to the king. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, which is actually, he later on you'll learn, is the name of a god. Okay. Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen in this interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, astrologers can show the king the mystery uh, that the king has asked. Okay, let's stop right here. When God gives you the wisdom, when God has given you that knowledge, when God gives you the supernatural ability, never take the glory. Always be so conscious to Give him back the glory. You know, I always tell the people in the worship team, you know, you're not here. When people tell you you have great voice, you should resist that. You should give glory to God. When they tell you you have good ability, you should resist. Don't be nasty about it, right? Just say, oh, thank you, but praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for he is a good God. We want to always transfer because God is looking for those who are faithful in reverting the credit to where credit is due. And when you learn to do that, you see that heavens will always have an open channel to you, as you can learn later on. So if ever, anybody ever give you compliment, you know, people always come to me and say, oh, Pastor Paul, you have a great message. And I always say, praise the Lord. Do you know why I do that? I'm trying to resist that praise, and I want to give the praise to God. It's not like I don't know how to receive praise. You know, human being, we always like, oh, yes. <laughs> Feels good. We do. We, we, we crave for approval. We crave for, for approval. But, you know, once you experience the approval of the Father in heaven, that He's approved of you, no matter how great you do or how awesome you've done or how awful you've done, He always say, I love you. You're so special. Do you know, when you know the Father is like that, there's nothing He can do that would just destroy His love for you, then you don't need to take the glory anymore. You just say, you know, it's Him. It's truly Him. I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, never, never, never take the glory from God. A lot of people... They, um, they use, oh, I thank you, Jesus, only as a last sentence, like, like uh, just in case, you know, he's listening. I, I'm actually doing what I need to do. But their heart is not really giving glory to God. They're taking the glory. I tell you the problem with taking the glory. Because when you take the glory, then it's on you. Then you're going to have to take the blame when things fall apart. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I feel like a failure. So I come to the Lord. I, I feel like, okay, there are things that I, you know, happen in the church that's completely out of my control, like attendance, you know. <laughs> Let me be honest to you, right? And, and, you know, I come to the Lord and say, God, you know, oh, why? Why? What's wrong with me? And the Father would say, you've been taking glory, aren't you? What? No. Well, then why are you taking the blame? Oh. See, it reveals my heart, Right? I, heard, I, I don't know if I, I share with you the story. I, I talk, share with stories with so many groups. You know, I can't remember who I share with, but if this is the second time you hear it, that's fine. I, I heard um, a pastor, a well-known pastor, was discipling this younger pastor, and, 
and then there's another pastor was in the in the in the in the car. Now this another the pastor, he um, he he was relaying the story. He said, you know, we were traveling with this younger pastor, you know, and this younger pastor, you know, he was telling his mentor, oh pastor, I. You know, my church is just suffering badly. We lost a lot of people, and I'm just, I feel so awful. I'm so ashamed. And so the, 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 the older pastor kept quiet. And then uh, after a while, you know, he's like, you know, what, 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 what kind of advice can you give me? And the pastor turned to him. This young man said, you're the most arrogant person I've ever met. And the young guy go, huh? I just told you and become naked and vulnerable to you, and you attacking me. That I'm most arrogant. How could I be arrogant? I tell you the truth. Then the older pastor says, the reason you feel all this is because you thought you built the church. You thought you're the one who built it. And now you're taking the responsibility for it. He said, learn that you are not the one who God had called to build his church. God called Jesus to build his church. He said, I will build the church. Come on, he said, I will be the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So if you don't take the glory, you don't have to take the blame. You can always say, God is on you, and you will live a very rested life. And this church is all about resting, yeah? Okay, amen. So don't take the, don't take the glory. Uh, so, so there it is, Daniel, very bold, verse 28. And there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream will be the envisions of your head as you lay in... Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in the bed are these. So he proceeded. To you, O king, as you lay in the bed came thoughts of what would be after this. Then he who reveals mysteries made known to you what to be. And verse 30, this is a good one. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because of my wisdom. There you go again, right? He's always giving credit back to God. And there's a, mystery, there's a secret he is also sharing. That I have more than all the living. So God gave him wisdom, revelation. And some of us want that, right? God, give me revelation, right? Give me revelation and wisdom. But he said, not because any wisdom that have, have more than all the living things, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. So whenever God is giving us a wisdom, it's a wisdom to fulfill his purpose. From verse 31 all the way to the end, Daniel was talking about the, interpret the dreams and the interpretation about different kingdoms. We don't have time to get to it. I'll leave to those major prophets, interpreter of prophets to share with you whenever they show up, praise God, right? But my point I'm trying to make is this, is that in that dream, God is revealing not for the sake of Daniel. God was doing what he was doing because he was revealing his unfolding purpose to mankind. Do you realize that all the wisdom that you have from God? See, in the worldly system we have, and in fact, in many of the religious and spiritual institutions that we have today, it's all about self. Are you here this morning? You go to have yoga because of what? For yourself. You go to meditate. It's empty yourself for what? Yourself. 
you know, the mind, mindfulness, uh, what was this big thing going on called mindfulness? Oh, the corporation get, make, like force people to do this mind, mind, mindfulness thing. What do you call it? Mindfulness? Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like, uh, please don't get offended, okay? I need to, need to, need to say this. It's, it's the devil. Are you here? It's the, de- it's the devil. I'm sorry if I offend you. But, but all the Eastern religious practices are occult. It's, 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 it's the devil. But God loves you anyways. God loves you. But you need to know there are consequences to your actions. There are consequences. Everything we do, there are consequences. God wants us to live in holiness because He wants us, he wants us to live in victory. I was sharing with the worship team yesterday about sexual sin. You know? People think, oh, grace of God. People always misunderstand me. They th- think that I'm preaching permissive- permissiveness. They don't understand the message of grace. The message of grace is that like He will give you opportunity to try, 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 try until you succeed and have victory and His purpose and plan is for you and I to live in victory, not in failures. He's not here to condemn and judge so that we can be condemned and judged to failures. Con- condemnation is a way to cause you to, to stay low, to stay defeated. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. But that doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want. I was telling them that all the, all the, all the, all the, all the sexual sins are sins that attack your own body, yourself. It's a sin against your body. You know, and uh, uh, he, I, I heard some, a preacher said it was really hilarious. He said, a lot of young people, you know, they look so exhausted. And, and psychologists will tell you because they've indulged in pornography and, and masturbation, they all spend. They're like, hi. Hey, man. What's going on? And that preacher was encouraging the Christians live in holiness. And they've proven this scientifically that all the sexual urge, if you hold that, it actually would be rechanneled into creativity. It's scientifically proven by psychologists. Do you want creativity? Hold on. Live in holiness. Now, God is not going to condemn and judge you. He's going to try to help you to live in holiness. That's the message of grace. It's not message of permissiveness. People just misunderstand me. So everything that God is doing, so I just lost a train of thought. I don't know where, how did I get off on this train? My, yeah, yeah. Um, how did I get there? <laughs> oh, thank you, Miss Ibuku. So it's all the, the Eastern religions are called everything about the world we're living in is about self. But the God we serve today is never about self. It's about the glory of God. It's about other people. So when you come and serve God, when He gives you wisdom, when He gives you talents, when He gives you gifts, it's not so that you can indulge in your own self. It's for His glory. It's for the benefits of His kingdom. It's for the benefits of His body. So go and bless other people. We are never to pursue all the talents and all the giftings and so forth for self. It's always how God is unfolding His purpose in and through you. Can I hear an amen? Can I have an agreement? Come on, let's give the Lord a praise. Now I'm almost done. 
Verse 46, the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face. Wow. When the glory of God is being revealed through you, there is no way that even the most hedonistic person would be able to resist his glory. The problem is because the glory of God is not revealing through us. We just have words and talks that have no fruits. I'm sorry. I sound harsh. I pray that God will give you this revelation today that he wants to manifest his glory through you to the point that when your children want to talk back, they see the glory. They go, oh, oh don't touch mommy. There's no way that if the glory of God is being revealed through you that people will not bow down. They would, even the most hidden. Look at this guy, right? When I talk about the glory of God, is oh, you need to ask God. You need to ask, you know, if you have a nasty boss, God, I need your wisdom. And I tell you, when you have the wisdom and you reveal, and God reveal his wisdom through you and you give him glory, the boss will bow down to you. Not you, but the one who lives in you. He found out on his face, paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense being offered up to Daniel, which is kind of silly because Daniel didn't do anything, right? It was God. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods, your Lord is king. Now, the, so God is manifesting his glory, right? Revealer of mysteries, and you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors. Now he got his promotion. Many great gifts made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief prefect to all of, over all the wise men of Babylon. And then Daniel, of course, being such a buddy with all his friends, make sure his friends get promoted together with him. Listen to this. Christians, leave no, hand, no man behind. Come on, when God is promoting you, don't forget all your buddies. Come on, can I hear it? Amen. I was... Uh, I was having lunch with a pastor whom I love dearly in the city, you know, and God is really blessing his church. His church is growing. And, and I always say, you know, bro, man, just, just don't forget this lowly guy here, okay? When you, when you, when you become some big-time minister, you know, the godly way of living is this. When you're promoted, you're looking for opportunity to promote others. Are you here this morning? It's never about I am better than you all. That's the worldly way of looking at things. And that's why we're living in a very ugly, competitive world we're in because everybody is so self-serving and self-focused. What God wants us to do is never self-focus. It's always number one, Him focus, and number two, body focus. Learn to promote other people. Don't be threatened by somebody's success. So when you're successful, bring somebody along with you. 